Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I like to be called Shangguan Jiawan. I'm originally from California, and I'm here in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shi. I am from the northeast part of China, proudly repping Dongbei, and I'm talking to you from Beijing, China today. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today, we want to talk about, and this is not my term, coca colonization. So the idea that big corporations are spreading around the world and they're like absorbing other people's cultures and like maybe <laughs> like sidelining them. I bring this up. And the reason I wanted to do this one is I was in, uh, you know, my favorite place in Wuhan. Uh, on walking street. street. Yes, I try to yes. say it faster than you did, but yeah. <laughs> on Ziyanghan Walking Street, and I saw this booth, this huge booth for Chinese New Year, uh-huh. like a week ago, and it was like this huge like red ornate uh, like Chinese looking like, you know, super thick cardboard cutout, like of like a temple, but everywhere all over it, it said like Coca-Cola <laughs> It's like happy Chinese new year from Coca-Cola and like brands of Coca-Cola yep. and like Tai Shen holding a Coca-Cola and yep. stuff. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is like, so I don't know wrong. Like, I, I remember reading this story about how Santa Claus used to ha- come in all of these different formulations. Like back a couple hundred years ago, there was baby Santa Claus and there was like a woman flying with wings, Santa Claus. And there are all kinds of different Santa Clauses in culture all over the place. Yeah. And then Coca-Cola came along and they did they painted a version of Santa Claus that existed before Coca-Cola of an old man with a, a long beard wearing red. And then they established this is going to be Santa Claus by just Coca-Cola based basically taking Christmas over. And so now I'm here in China and I'm watching the same thing happen that these huge international like conglomerate companies are trying to absorb Chinese New Year. And it just seems it seems so wrong. Um, I mean, for Coca-Cola representing uh, Christmas, it's just like because the original idea, the original advertisement they put out is how refreshing and cool it is to have a can of Coke in the and like a sweltering summer day. And then to consider the fact that most countries that celebrate Christmas on Earth will have it during winter. For me, it's like kind of odd. We're like, no, you don't get to you don't get to take over Christmas because it's too cold for me to have a Coca-Cola <laughs> for Christmas. I mean, I guess lots of companies do this for lots of holidays. I don't mean to single out Coca-Cola. They haven't done anything particularly yeah. different. They're just bigger and more efficient at it. They just have more money to do it. That's the thing about colonization. The more money you have, the more money you'll have. Yeah, I mean, if you're watching time TV in China on, on during Chinese New Year, I was watching the, uh, what is it called? The gala, right? Yeah. And there was tons of commercials for like nuts and snacks and like, you know, Baijiu, like <laughs> that, that are all like, you know, oh, it's Chinese New Year. You're with your family. This is the Baijiu for you. Yeah. Oh, it's Chinese New Year. You're with your family. These are the peanuts for you. Yeah. And it was like tons of stuff like that. So lots of companies are, try to co-opt 
any kind of special time of year to like sell their products, essentially. Really big companies like Pepsi, Coke, McDonald's, they've spread all over the world. So you like if you, I imagine if you're like in any country, Zambia, you, there's a McDonald's. You go to like Nepal, there's a McDonald's. You yep. go to South Korea, there's a McDonald's. You go obviously anywhere in Europe, United States, North America, South America. McDonald's. So like it's like they're becoming ubiquitous with human life everywhere. And it just seems if there weren't these huge international companies, I'm not trying to say that we should get rid of them. That's not I'm not trying to say anything. I don't have an actual opinion about (laughs) what we should do, but there would be like more of something else, more of a traditional style. Right. If Beijing was not full of Starbucks and McDonald's. Right. Then like Beijing would still have restaurants open everywhere, but there would be like more traditionally Chinese potentially. And so it seems like these big companies swallow up the little cultures of where they go in because they take up if you go. I was I was riding my bicycle here in Wuhan. Yeah, there's a mall. Of course, you know, because there's like a 100 malls in Wuhan. Yeah, there was a mall I saw and I stopped for a second. I remember hearing at a business meeting in Shanghai a few years ago that Starbucks owns some of the or like leases or owns some of the best real estate in the entire world. And that actually is what their business is mostly about is having prime real estate. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the entrance to the super mall and first floor right yeah. there at the entrance. Starbucks and I'm thinking yeah you know this is every mall like I've ever been to like in China like the entrance there's a Starbucks and so like they have the prime real estate and like no offense to Starbucks I actually have one here with me today like and but like if there wasn't Starbucks what would be there like what part of Chinese culture would be like growing and like filling that space maybe there will be like a like a Starbucks Starbucks like Chinese tea shop, you know, they figure out a way to like mm, mm. make really nice tea fast and a large scale and people could be drinking that. But just so throwing out another business idea, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you've heard of uh, this uh, tea shop, maybe not in Beijing. I'm, I'm not sure it's spread there yet. It's called Modern China Tea Shop. Huh? No, I don't think it's a Beijing app. <laughs> These are so hot in Wuhan. You go to all, any neighborhood like Jianghan or Hanko, Wuchang, wherever you're going. And there are sometimes there's so many of them that it makes like Starbucks look like they're not around because you'll like turn the corner. And there's another one. You'll walk like 50 meters. There's another one. Oh, wow. They're called Modern Modern China Tea Shop. And they are really, really good, actually. They're like they sell every kind of tea and they have milk tea and they have boba tea and they have like different. St- it's like it's kind of like what's that really? Really expensive brand uh Haiti yes but like it's it's like the price point is half wow so it's like luck it's like luckin you know like you know how you yeah. can get like a okay you go to Starbucks you pay 35 RMB for like a mocha you know standard size or luckin's whatever. like 80 go, quai, you, 18 quai. 18 yeah. yeah you go to luckin it's like 18 this is like that so you go to Haiti and you're paying 35 quai for tea oh. you go to modern China tea shop you're paying 15 quai I guess luckin is kind of a, a, a not a comeback but a kind of a Chinese response to a coffee chain that spread mm-hmm. really really fast luckin's great too you know very good I, uh, like there are people saying like luckin did this and that whatever i'm like i can't really fault a company for any of its financial or investment decisions <laughs> but, but the coffee's good yeah the coffee's super decent and it's cheap like i can't say no to luckin you know what's great about luckin for me is i've been inside a few times you know there's not a big like inside there's usually like one table or something yeah it's not like it doesn't work on the starbucks brand most of it's to go or it's like brought to your house or brought to your business or whatever they're not based on the whole like go and sit there for three hours pretending to write a book that you never finish yeah (laughs) like model 
But what they have is these huge machines that almost automatically make all the coffee. Exactly. And so like there's very little human uh, actual. So what you get is the cup is uh, the coffee is always the same. Yeah. So at Starbucks, you get a different barista. Sometimes it's more milky or cappuccino or sometimes it's not as frothy or this. Like, oh, God. Sometimes they burn the coffee exactly. beans. That just makes me mad. What's, yeah, exactly. But, you know, what? what's great about Luckin is it's always exactly the same. So you're like. It's standardized. Yeah, it's very standard. I know. But you just think a Chinese company was able to expand at the speed from 2017 till now. It's like five years. And they've already gone through the sort of the, you know, the ups and downs of their company. Mm, um mm. it's pretty it's pretty amazing and i think i think nowadays to really you know bring it back to our uh, topic today i think you know brands like coca-cola mcdonald's or kfc they started in the early days of globalization of a more open international market and they were able to mm. expand because they really they jumped on that bandwagon super early on and a lot of people just mm. kind of didn't have the chance or didn't want to do it because it does take a lot of you know decision making and anything mm. that would go wrong in that process could make you go so much further back than even where you started so that's a huge risk mm. that a lot of people are not taking um because i don't know if you were here when they had i think it was 20 20 2020 or or, or or 2019 i can't remember i think it was 2020 when in and out had a pop-up shop oh yeah I, I didn't get to go, but I saw people's WeChat where they had in and out in Beijing. And I was like, why didn't I know about this? Oh, you mean my WeChat? I went to have it. Oh, <laughs> you're so fortunate. Because oh, wow. I was I was freelancing at the moment and I had the time. And but I, I knew people who like took time off from work just to go to the pop up shop. Oh, I would, too. And and I was <laughs> I know I know I wish I knew I, I know you back then. I would totally bring you along. But um, I talked to the chef. I think he's the owner or one of the founders. I don't know. But there's an like older gentleman who's like flipping burgers for everybody and checking with customers how they're feeling. And, and he said, because he used the word I, he didn't say like our company or our, our, our brand. Mm, he said, mm. I just don't like to move out of the region that I'm comfortable with. Like in mm. and out's not even on the East Coast. He's he's like I don't like I don't know maybe he doesn't like the water on the East Coast and he certainly doesn't like water anywhere else in the world and I asked him I was like is there any plan to come to China he said we'll just continue to do pop ups but I'm not gonna mm. do anything beyond that Aww. and so I know I hate to break it to you I hope he has a change of heart and it eventually makes the move to come here but I guess like for some brand it's just not part of their plan. You know, it's like the Taco Bell thing. There's like one in Beijing and one in Shanghai. And like, I literally one time I went to Shanghai, I went there for Taco Bell. If they <laughs> actually opened like a, an In-N-Out burger in Beijing, I would just go Immediately there. Immediately move just back. To go, I, well, I don't know about move back. for. I mean, I want to move back, but that's not really. I mean, I would be like on the train next weekend mm. just to go to In-N-Out burger. I, I, it, it is very, very good for me. It would be Bojangles, but Bojangles is not even like as big as in and out <laughs> in the United States. I know people from Southern, like the South part of America are going to disagree, but I, so I guess based on what we're talking about in the context of both of us really like Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> 
what we're saying is we need more chains. But, you know, I started off with the uh, the idea that maybe the chains are in a way bad. But like, actually, it seems like people like chains based on our conversation. But, you know, I would like, you know, companies not to crush the mom and dad shops that sell kinds of specialty foods. Yeah. Because it seems like variety is a part, huge part of why people like going out and experiencing things. And if everything becomes the same, then what's the point? You know, it's just it seems like what's there's a terrible old song from the 1990s. Just they cut down a forest to build a parking lot or something like that. Oh God. <laughs> people will know what I'm talking about. But like, you know, it's it seems like a lot of like what would have been more traditionally Chinese, like modern kind of style versions of older things mm. have been like pushed to the side by like all these international companies to some extent. And like, I think that's, you know, in America, they did. They came along yeah. after they genocided the Native Americans, of course. They had this fresh slate of continent <laughs> to just build. And they just built all of these like, you know, standard kinds of the same restaurants and stuff everywhere. So for Americans, they don't really have like a in quotes traditional kind of culture. Yeah. Like, you know, no one thinks like, oh, man, I really wish the Amish had like built <laughs> X and Y pancake house or something. Instead, you just have the same like Denny's from one side of the country to the other. Yeah. But in China, like there has very long history of all of these l- different cuisines and all of these mom and pop yeah. st- stores like all over the place that have long traditions with families who have special recipes. And like when you have like super malls built everywhere, I love it. You know, it's great. It's very convenient. I can go there, have a good time and see lots of people and stuff. But at the same time, what could have been there, I guess, is my question. I mean, honestly, the keyword that you said there is convenience and the kind of the requirement for convenience is a fast paced life. And if you really think about it, I think, you know, you've traveled quite a bit in China. You only see McDonald's and KFC or Starbucks in bigger cities where things are going relatively faster. You know, people need to be somewhere or or whatever. Mm, mm. And that's where they first started because, you know, if you look at the name, it's fast food chains, you know, like people need to just grab and go, grab and go. And in China, I think, I don't know the actual size comparison in terms of revenue or whatever, but I don't know if you know this brand called Yonghe Dawang, which no. is like, like, you know, a restaurant for mm. uh, soybean milk mm. and uh, fried doughs for Youtiao and Doujiang, you know, and they're in all transportation, mm, 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 mm. you know, instead train stations and bus stations with every other McDonald's. Mifsi. I know Mr. Lee's. Oh my God, that is such... Look, that's the one thing that's a, a great, like, forever mystery because people are like, there's so many, there are a lot of people who went to the United States for traveling to see if Mr. Lee's actually from California. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, it's called Mr. Lee's Californian uh, Beef Noodles. And so that's that's everywhere too. And it's still thriving. I love it. I say it's so good. And it's so fast. It's delicious. I'm sorry. It's so good. It is so good. The sauce they have there. I know it's super salty and that's why I like it, but it's so good. Yeah, it's addictive. There's something in there. There's <laughs> something in there that just just picks it up like a huge notch. Mm-hmm. But there are like traditional Chinese restaurants that are fighting, not fighting, but mm. they're just here because there's so many people that don't right. eat McDonald's yeah. for breakfast, for 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 lunch, for dinner. Um, but, but if you go to smaller cities, you don't see big international brands because that's not what people need you know maybe not but i Ooh. i got a statistic for yes. you i heard this yesterday kfc is building a new restaurant in china 
every oh four God. hours. <laughs> That's how. So you say not. Oh, yeah. You don't see oh them, God. but you will. <laughs> I, I, my, 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 uh, my uncles, my mom's uh, brothers who live in the countryside came to visit us in Beijing and my parents took them out. To, they were like, let's go have something fun and fancy. We'll we'll go take you guys to have foreign food. And that's what they think it is. <laughs> it's like, you know, they sometimes they call it Western cuisine. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not really cuisine, but sure. And so, they, well, you know, what really surprised me is the branding for KFC is really different here. Like, I'm sure you understand, too. Like in the United States, like KFCs are just there, you know, like they don't have a lot of branding. Yeah. Or they're just like, you need to get this bucket, get the bucket. <laughs> like, OK. All right. Yeah, yeah. I know th- when I think of great food, I don't know. Usually in America, I didn't think of buckets like <laughs> but yeah. but out here in China, exactly. the commercials are like romantic. They'll have like some really skinny, pretty boy with like lipstick on, like s- talking about how he's about <laughs> to go on a date and like how he's he brought KFC for his girlfriend. And they're like having a romantic dinner date at KFC. And I'm like. You know, when when, when KFC, McDonald's and let's not forget Pizza Hut first entered China, they used a very different tactic uh, Mm. when it comes to advertising. Because it's something so novel, it's something so different from Chinese Mm. people were used to back when I think it was 1980s or early 1990s when they first started. um, It was something that people were trying to explore. It wasn't something that just been there, Mm. you know, in this train station that they always see and it looks dirty or whatever. So people are like, oh, my God, let me take you to try this new place. And they have all of these fried food (laughs) items on the shelf that we could just grab. So it became like a thing to do back then. And it kind of just, you know, that just got carried over. I was this is my first year or two. I was I was just starting to date my wife. We were in Jinan together Mm -hmm. and we were like, "Okay, let's go to Pizza Hut. I was like, I like pizza. So it was not like, oh, let's have a romantic dinner or whatever. We were already like clear, like things were going well. I didn't. I could let my guard down a little bit. I was like, let's go to Pizza Hut. I see Pizza Hut. And she's like, cool. So we went into Pizza Hut. It was like at night and there were like tablecloths on the tables and candles. Yeah. And people were were like, I went in there all like slagged off and my like hoodie and like shorts and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is Pizza Hut. Cool. And everyone else was dressed up having like a romantic dinner. And I was like, what? What universe is this? It's totally not the experience yeah. of like an American KFC where it's kind of like fast food for pizza. It was like this like yeah. posh dine, you know, like the part of the menu that has like lasagna and spaghetti and stuff. That was what people were eating more. They were yeah. like yeah. having like the Italian part of instead of like just ordering a pizza and just like, hey, cool, we're in Pizza Hut. It was so weird. I used to order the casserole mm. so much like I because I remember way before the whole Alama and Meituan, which is the, the amazing food delivery empire that exists today. Pizza Hut and McDonald's and KFC were the first one that started this sort of, you know, a unified number that you could call and they will send the food to your place. I was ordering Pizza Hut, like, as long as like I was looking for my parents to leave, that, leave the house, I'm like, I'll order this. Because, again, it's it's fast. Wherever you have one, you get, you get the same menu. And it wouldn't be too wrong. Mm. But, again, it loses its flavor. And pizza, you know, <laughs> it, it loses the interesting part. And that's why, like, you know, the mom and pop shops or, you know, what we call, like, you know, just individual restaurants here, you really go for something that's different, that's, you know, uniquely here. It's not accessible 
everywhere else. And if you really go into uh, uh, McDonald's or Pizza Hut or whatever nowadays, you don't really see the same mm, kind of mm. people, the same diners that you would um, when they first started in China. Now it's just like really like anyone and, and mm. you know, you don't go there for a meal anymore. That's why there's not as many Pizza Hut restaurants as there used to be. take you on a turn around the world to Italy. I have a very good friend uh, named Maurizio, and he lived in Beijing for a while. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he moved back to Italy. He's living in Italy, but this was like 2014 or 15. He was telling me at that time, Mm -hmm. oh, there are no Starbucks in Italy. No, that we don't drink that American (laughs) garbage. (laughs) And he was talking about like how how to make a cappuccino and how to make an espresso and like how Italians were super refined. Yeah. And then it was like 2000. It was a year. I was like, okay, sure. Okay. Yes, Maurizio. And he, he, he was a very classy guy too actually we went to his house and he would used to make us these like really f- ornate we would all be just like drinking beer in his living room and he would be like you know uh in the kitchen making these really refined things he had a very refined taste anyways <laughs> it was a year a year later or so and i read in the, i read in the news they're opening the first starbucks in rome yeah. and i was like oh this i gotta tell Maurizio. <laughs> and i told him and he was so outraged he was like oh my gosh no <laughs> he, was, he was like why are you americans have to colonize our country with your terrible <laughs> espresso <laughs> and, and he was he was really upset at first he didn't believe me he was like no, that would never happen. And I, I had the article. I'm like, look here. Yes. And then he's happening. like, damn you, Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think Starbucks is doing that as a challenge accepted. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> we're, we have to go to where, you know, real espresso comes from. We're going to go take over France and they Italy. said we're not good enough. Let's, pl- let's prove them wrong. Exactly. <laughs> they're there. So they go there. And then, so, you know, this is now it's really interesting. So espresso starts in these countries, like in the Mediterranean and then spreads to somewhere else and then comes washes back as something different because you know, like what is like a Frappuccino? That's like ice cream. And you just happen to have espresso as one of the ingredients. It's not, it's not I, like. I it, doubt if they're going to have that in Italy. That's just so, I don't know if they would. I, oh, they totally do. Come on. You know it. They, they probably started like trying to make it very refined and then like slowly slip one Americanized thing on the menu at a time. That is true. I feel like there are so many more localized uh, food items on McDonald's and KFC's mm. menu when I was in school. Mm. I remember all of these different rice dishes from KFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this mushroom rice was so good and um uh they had this this porridge this por- yes well the porridge is still have for, for because you breakfast. don't have porridge in america yeah you don't have porridge yeah. at kfc yeah but that's in chinese kfc kfc and mcdonald's yeah too. it's not it's just not as many as there used to be like breakfast they still have congee and they have like soy milk of course mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. great and the and the dough but on their regular items that's not just limited to breakfast hours they used to have more stuff and recently like in recent probably the recent decade they started to just phase them out See, you say it's great but i don't think it's great because a couple of times i couldn't read really well and, and i ordered from mcdonald's and then they brought me like 
soy milk and i'm like no oh, yeah my coffee what what is what oh, is no, this no you're ruining no. my day <laughs> not, not hot soy milk why my day is ruined <laughs> i need the coffee to kick it off but yeah i think they're <laughs> doing like less and less because they're they know that the market is kind of safe they don't need to appeal to local customers anymore and they're like you like our brand this is what our brand is so eat the food <laughs> <laughs> this is food you know what's really interesting i don't know if this is true in america maybe it is but like uh so our american American listeners will know. But in China, you don't actually go to the counter and order as much anymore. Now you walk in and there's like a screen. You just touch this. It's like a touch screen for what you want to order. Yeah. And then you just scan your phone and it, it prints a receipt. Then you walk over to where the food comes from and pick up your food. This like way less engagement with actually with people now. Yeah. I think I tried to use that machine in New York once, but that was, was that Wendy's? Oh, so they do have it. Yeah, okay. they, did, they did have it except for the payment process is credit card i think so or something like that it wasn't just scan it wasn't like a one-stop service where you could just finish everything on that machine and you can just go grab your food mm, so these are just the trends going around the world china just finished it <laughs> <laughs> yeah because in some mcdonald's there's no counter except where the food comes from so like you know there you don't have the option of using the touch screen or going to the counter yeah you just have the touch screen so it's like i don't know the the movie idiocracy where you just walk up to everything's digital yeah <laughs> oh i don't know if you remember this this is just you know a quick little fun thing back in i think 2005 or six or something mcdonald's did this thing that they they did this campaign sort of that you will get your food in 59 seconds wow if if they fail to bring and the prepared food in 59 seconds i think you either get i think in the beginning they were going like super extreme you get your whole order for free or something mm. so some people would just go and order a lot of stuff you know just to see if they could finish but usually they can and then later on they change it to like if we can't prepare your food we can't bag your food within 59 seconds we we, we gave you like a free ice cream or something One of the reasons I, I chose this topic is I want to talk not just about like ironing over like the bulldozing over of local cultures around the world, including in Italy or wherever. I also wanted to talk about the fact that our world is becoming increasingly similar. There's a book I want to actually talk about really quick. It's called Metropolitanism. Mm -hmm. It was written about 15 years ago. And in this book, it argues about like how people around the world, are, especially people who live in big cities like Beijing, New York, London, increasingly our, our worlds are very much the same. You know, yeah. we're wearing the same brands, clothing, we're going to yeah. the same name restaurants, we're wearing the same shoes, we're like using the same computer devices, the way that we interact with our business environments are the same. And so this seems like there's a global culture developing, especially in like the most dense metropoles like Shanghai, Los Angeles, et cetera. What do you think about that? Do you think that is true or to what extent is it true and to what extent is it not true? I think in terms of the content of our consumption when it comes to like basically consumerism is becoming very similar mm, mm, all mm. across the world, everywhere in, in all of these metropolitan cities, what you buy, what you what you eat, what you wear, you know, what 
brand of appliances mm-hmm. you 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 furnish your house with that's becoming mm-hmm. more similar ikea I, <laughs> have some stand. go for quality jason um ikeas are good but 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 no um <laughs> like some real furniture it's like a puzzle it's like a you get you get it's a game and it's furniture <laughs> yes but if you mishandle it it breaks oh my god so, don't, so look at the paper you have to follow the instructions don't just like guess how it goes together but they, okay we have we need to do we should do an ikea episode um but i think other than that like how you live your life is still very different mm. like the if you're basically if you take a photo it's very similar but if you take a video mm. where you could see people talk and do things it's still yeah. just very very different so the language is different the the way that people deal with each other is different but we ha- live in similar looking environments that kind of gives people the i guess some type of illusion that is you know where like when people say oh lifestyle is the same everywhere i'm like no it's still not like i'm pretty sure even if you just go live in an apartment building in let's say paris which is also you know the a modern city mm. you would not mm. feel like it's very similar than living like to living in china unless you want to just go live in shanghai and live in the french concession area and you don't want to interact with any locals at all you, know, you mentioned you know i i had lived in beijing for a long time and i'd spent a lot of time in uh shandong and in uh Mm-hmm. Shanghai. So I thought like everything was translated into English everywhere. So it's like Chinese sign on top, English mm-hmm. sign on the bottom. I came to Wuhan and actually it's the, not true. In Wuhan, it's Chinese on the top and French on the bottom. Mm. So because there's apparently like a yeah. lot of French businesses here that do some sort of car export import yeah. like with Wuhan. So in Wuhan, it's not English and Chinese. French. It's Chinese and French everywhere. And there's like a French quarter and there's like this place called Wuhan Flower yeah. Gallery. And inside there's like a French villa. And so it's like, I was kind of surprised coming here to, because fortunately I did take yeah. uh, two years of French. So I'm like able to figure yeah. out what the signs oh, mean. Nice. Like, but you know, it, w- it was very surprising to, I went to a Taoist temple, a Taoist temple uh-huh. recently. And inside, like all of the museum was like in Chinese and then in French. And when you go to like all those kind of museums in Beijing, it's like in Chinese on the top and then English and sometimes Korean too. Yeah. But like, but in Wuhan, very different. I was very surprised. But you know, one th- I want to come back around to another idea that I haven't quite introduced yet. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm in social media or I'm talking to people or looking at media about like American perceptions of what China is like. And yeah. people have some people, misinformed people have this idea that China is like this country, giant countryside place and it's not developed and like, you know, yeah. it's, it's and not affluent. And it's like, whoa, I've heard whoa, them myself where, too. <laughs> where do you get your information? And so a part of the reason I bring this episode up today is to help our some of our American listeners who might be have a misconception about China. China is so modern. In fact, I would say it is more modern than America. Most cities are far more modern. Like the, the, we've talked about the uh, yeah. trains before, the digital, how you don't use cash anymore. You just use your phone for everything. There's 5G everywhere. So you have super fast internet, unless you have 4G. I don't know about <laughs> you, Alex. I have 5G. I have 5G on my phone and in my internet. So I can do everything. It's amazing. But like, you know, every even the second and third tier cities here are, in fact, 
fact, in many ways, far more modern than like the most advanced, like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco now. Yeah. And I think that uh, so for some of our Americans, they have this false conception, this false picture of what China is like in their mind. And I think that people need, I actually think people just need to come here. Yes. They're like spend spend a few days in Beijing or Shanghai or like because- Qingdao or any, any, any city, Xiamen, anywhere, Shenzhen, and you will be like, well, okay, I was wrong. Yeah, China is like the future because it, it's like living in a sci-fi Yeah, movie. because there are videos showing people like this is what China is like. And they're like, oh, no, they just picked a nice part to to, to, to film. I'm like, <laughs> there might be too many nice parts in a city for us to fake what the mm-hmm. city is actually mm-hmm. like, you know? I worry about that, too. Sometimes I, I'll, I'll literally make my own video of log. So when I'm having a discussion on social media with people who have this misconception, I will send them that video. I'll say, look, this is me here in, you know, Wuhan walking around and they'll be like, yeah, this is like the one place that's modern. And so I'll be like, okay, here's the other 10 videos that I just made about Wuhan and they're all different neighborhoods and they're like, they're all made up. They're all made up. Yeah. These, these are the <laughs> nice places. And I was like, at what is every place? If every place nice, that means it's nice. Doesn't it? You know what? Oh, that is the most logically sound statement that you could ever say to a person. If they refuse to believe that <laughs> there's nothing else left to be said, you know, it's just, it's frustrating. I wish, I wish American media was better at representing what other places in the world were like, but it, you know, American mainstream media seems very xenophobic to me. They are... I mean, I hate to say it, but it's it's kind of like, you know, it, they will never think anything. But it also I think it's also embedded in what the news media has become in mm. America. It's like if something's not controversial, they don't think it's newsworthy. Mm. Like if grab, there's no you, criticism. Like, yeah. yeah, they're like, if there's just some gotcha. great thing that this <laughs> other country is doing, this country has achieved, you know, whatever, you know, a GDP of a certain amount of dollars. And they're like, we don't. We're not going to report on that because it's not important. You know, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I saw this kind of reaction in a tokamak, which is kind of an advanced fusion reactor. And China did this like 37. I, I may be wrong. It's like 37 minute long fusion reaction. The longest that's ever been done in the history of the world by like an order of like times 10 or something. It was so, so much more. Mm. And I read about it in all these different scientific publications and in China. I wasn't seeing it in the United States or England mm. or Western Europe. Like they weren't reporting that China had succeeded in this reaction, which is critically important to the future of energy. Mm. And so like, I was like, okay, I guess that's just going to go by. And then Chinese scientists shared their finding with scientists in Western Europe. So they were able to reproduce the same effect. And then it was all over Western media. Look at, wow, what, look at what they've done in France. French scientists created this amazing. And I was just in my head, I'm just thinking, (laughs) what is wrong with you guys? I like the contrast there, the excitement of saying they've done this, they did this in France. And you're just like, there are other amazing things that are happening in the world as well. But that's just not, I guess, it's not worth people's Mm. attention at all. Well, you know, you are younger than me, a full decade. So I wanted to ask you about music because I don't know anything. <laughs> so what would you say? Would you say that Chinese people are listening listening to music from like what's Korea, America, Western Europe? Like are Chinese people just listening to Chinese music? What are the trends in music like today in China? The trends today is definitely so much more diverse because if I think within the Asian, you know, sphere of things, there are so much exchange that happened between different and you know uh, Asian countries so like Korean pop music and you know really great uh, Japanese singers or and then like people know 
great Chinese performers and artists as well in other countries. Um, but also Western influences is big here, but in a very different, and it's not a different category, but I'm always fighting people when they're like, you know, when the band plays a song and they're like, all the expats are like, oh my God. I was like, oh, I don't know the song. They're like, <laughs> what? How could you not? I'm like, uh-uh, stop it right there. Like, I did not grow up in the States, but they're like, but you stayed in the U.S. for five years. I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it's just the same as if I pull up an, an old Chinese song that every mm. person could sing mm. along with. Can you? Do you even know the tune? No, you don't. So and you li- you live in China, yeah. Exactly. I'm yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. don't give me that. Like, <laughs> it's like Western, like American music did spread all over the world, mm. and I know it has a huge influence and all of that. But still, like a lot of it, a, a lot of American friends think are popular in America or even in the rest of the world is different from what's popular here. Like they were like, oh, you know, like uh, uh of course Michael Jackson, and then he talked about prince and that they're equally important in the history of pop music or just music in uh, uh, in america i was actually going to bring right? up michael jackson but michael jackson is so big like was so big here big yeah he's global yeah you could go to like a tribe in the middle of africa or like papua new guinea and start singing michael jackson people like yeah i know yeah that. But, but prince yeah, is prince, like prince, prince i mean prince is famous in america yeah. and like what the west but yeah it's not the same i know how iconic he was in America, but he was a he was not a phenomenon here. And then my friends tend to disagree because they were like, "Oh, but I know this guy. I talked to, to my other Chinese friend, and he was like, I was like, yeah, he also speaks fluent English, so he automatically had a lot yeah, more yeah. knowledge of you know musical development in in the United States or, or just you know general social knowledge of the United States that he knew. You know, I want to tell a story. Uh, it's a fun story for me. When I first uh, lived in Beijing. For a couple of years, I was wasn't going out as much as I, I, you know, to like bars and stuff. I wasn't like one of those expats who just hangs up, lives in Sandy Tune. Yeah. And so one of my friends was like, you're missing out. I want to show you this Russian bar. So we went to he was like, you got to go to this Russian area. It's right by the embassy and check out this bar and just so that you sit, you know, you've been there once. And I was like, OK, sure. So he brought me to this bar. I forget the name of it, but apparently it's quite well known yeah. to Russians anyway. And we went inside <laughs> and, and actually this guy's from New Zealand. He's bringing me to this Russian bar. I'm like, OK. And we went inside and there's this Filipino band or Filipino band playing mm-hmm. and they're playing Prince covers. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I heard Prince played live and yeah. they played played purple rain oh. and they put their guts into it. They were like so passionate purple about it. Rain. <laughs> and I was like, from that moment on, when I think of purple rain, I don't think of Prince. I think of this. You co- think of Malaysia. I think of this cover band in Beijing playing purple rain. And it was just amazing. Everyone like was talking. There are all these people in this bar, like from Russia and from Ireland and from America and Chinese people and, you know, Korean people. And they were all like intermingling in this drunken UN. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then like this, this band starts, playing purple rain and they put purple lights on everyone stopped talking and they all just started like wow oh you could see like some of the girls almost crying yeah the music it was so touching and i was like okay this you know i love prince but like this band is just so nailed purple rain that this is my moment for me that I know I identify with. Yeah. It's right also now. like if you're living in another country and you're hearing songs that you used to move you so much growing up in mm. a country that doesn't speak your language, I guess that brings like the nostalgia back a lot. That really, really moves you. And for some Chinese people, they've had, they've had the experience 
now having been introduced to some of like Prince. But, you know, I know what you mean. Like there are a lot of old songs that I know instantaneously from like the 90s that I know that oh, I've been in. I've been in like the, you know, the Chinese version of uh, karaoke called KTV, uh, where there's like you you have to choose a song. And I'm, they're like, oh, my friend Sky, he was like, oh, they have everything. Don't worry. Yes. Come with me. Whatever song you can think of. And I was like, OK, what about this song by Radiohead? And I was like, uh, no, it's not in there. <laughs> I was like, okay, what about this other song by, you know, like the Cranberries? Uh, no, it's not in there. And I was like, okay, oh, so you told me everything I could think of, like it's going to be in you, there. You just went to the wrong KTV. Is that right? You really? I don't know. Just, I don't know. Yes. Eventually I'll... I had to sing like the most cliche kind of songs because like they didn't have, they didn't actually have his, he, his imagination of what Western music entailed didn't encompass like, like what you're saying, like. American music is actually not as internationally phenomenally well known as Americans like to. Think. Yeah, it's 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 different. For example, all the radioheads from England. Yeah, but even for England, like <laughs> uh, people are like, oh, you know, what did you listen to? Like you had to start. I don't know. You listened to I don't know what's like a super iconic American pop band. I was like, no, the first band. They're not even a band. Like they're a Kanye. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, it's not a band, but he's. In internationally, in in America, everyone knows Kanye. Exactly. But now for me, the first English group that I listened to was Westlife. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was so big. And they had their reunion concert on Tencent uh, wow. last month. And like, I think 23. Four million people watched it on Tencent or, or, or on a, on WeChat. Like they will never have a concert where that many people watch it live at the same time. And there is no live audience. That's how big they are in China. Really? But they're not big anywhere else. You know, I was really surprised. I actually when in, in Beijing after the death of the singer. I started seeing a lot of people wearing the shirt for Lincoln Park. And I was like, whoa, what is, what yes. is this about? I didn't know Chinese. Lincoln Park was very big as well. And then I, apparently they came to China and did a tour of several Chinese cities a couple times. Uh, this is what I ended up learning. And uh, uh, so what I've learned is that Chinese people really know a lot of the bands that have taken the effort to come over here in a non-political yeah. way and just share their music. And so like Mariah Carey yeah. came here. And so apparently she's yeah. quite well known in China and Lincoln Park came in here. So he's, you know, if you're, if they're American artists and they're like thinking about cracking into the Chinese market, this is the biggest market for consumption right now. You just bring your band on through and you're going to be able to selling a lot more records. Yeah, I mean, they are, I think they came here because they already had a large fan base in China. And those are mm, the those mm. are the bands that are, you know, like you said, they're not really talking about anything else. They just wanted to share their music and love and see their fans that, you know, support them. And it works. You know, mm. money and uh, <laughs> money. More money. <laughs> I mean, isn't a, I mean for a lot of musicians, you get into it for the love of it, but you also need to make a living and pay your kids to go through college and stuff. So, like, you know, it's a hard job. Yeah, you, you need to like actually go and make some money in order to be successful. Plus, you have to pay your like label off. Apparently, it's I've read about record labels. I got uh, like some certificates uh, on like how to cut a, a record, and record labels are brutal to the their musicians. Yeah, the, those contracts are. Terrible. Unless you can stay famous continuously for more than five years, you're probably going to come out of it with little to nothing if you're an artist because the labels just take advantage of the artist so bad. Yeah, I, I actually have a friend who's a very musically talented uh, guy who had so much Western influence growing up. So he's like, you know, we sometimes I say this, he's like, 
like a black soul singer, but in a Chinese boy's body. Like he's so Mm-mm-mm-mm. amazing and he's a great, uh, you know, producer. <laughs> I, gotta you, see I will show you some clips after the show, after the, the <laughs> taping. Um, and he had his education both in China and the United States. And he, he came back here and he knows all the songs that anybody like Stevie Wonder, Prince, all of these influence. And, but that doesn't stop him from trying to like, he still writes Chinese music. You know, he still does Chinese songs and stuff but his label his record label you know doesn't really agree with what he wants to do and they're trying to take control of him and you know they want him to produce things that could be easily forgettable and he's not part of that and let alone the money so you know it's 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 always the story we're wherever and whenever we are sometimes there are like very specific websites that chinese people use and sometimes there are very specific kinds of website websites that are popular in america or in england Mm. but like I'm wondering what kind of websites are kind of universally like uh, like looked at, you know, obviously Bing is something that has made its way around the world pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. I read this article about like how languages have caused the Internet to fracture into about six or seven basic pieces. Yeah. And so for like people who read read Arabic, read and write Arabic. They don't use the same websites as everyone uses. Sure. You can find the BBC in Arabic, but that doesn't mean anyone reads it. Yeah. Like you can find like CNN and like Hindi, but no, that doesn't mean anyone who reads, reads and writes Hindi uses (laughs) it. They have their own internet, like their internet complete and total bubble where like everything is in Hindi and people who read and write Arabic, everything is in Arabic and all the websites are devoted to like their concerns and their part of the world, their culture, the things that they're interested in. And I think linguistically, that's what's really kind of keeping the world more unique. One of the things that's difficult for people to do is to break through these linguistic boundaries. And so one of the reasons that websites are not always commonly uh, used by every people is not it has nothing to do with like the websites, like the content. Yeah, the content, because websites can be in different languages, but it doesn't mean that the people from those linguistic groups are using your website because it's not covering things culturally that are as relevant to those people. We're talking about music, right? People, Americans often assume that their music is just listened to by everyone in the world, (laughs) but it's not true. Like in so you could like, sorry, we didn't speak English back then. Like nobody knew what you were singing <laughs> unless I was really, really. In- no, it's true. Like I was really, really intrigued by the melody and I want to sing along. Then maybe I'll have to like learn English and look things up in dictionaries. You know, and- I wonder if South Korea is an exception because their music is one of those global phenomenons like right now. Like do people if you go to like, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to just random place like Kuwait. Do they listen to K-pop? <laughs> um, K- I don't know. K-pop just got really, really, really big. Like they got so big in the United States. It's kind of insane. I I don't know. I like I like the beat sometimes, but it's like I don't I can't like become a, a fan and listen to that music. It's so young and so exciting to like all the time. I was like, I'm a little old for that. I can't. It's a little too much, too much uh, excitement for me. about food i want to come back around i think that's one of the things that china has done really well in terms of colonizing the rest of the world because you know like we're talking about like mcdonald's and we're talking about k-pop and Mm. all this stuff well i'm thinking about what things from china have like 
spread out to the world that like not obviously ancient things like paper clearly obviously did win the day but but i'm talking about more modern like chinese food is one of those things that everyone everywhere you can go i'm sure you can go to like i don't know any country on earth and find a chinese restaurant doesn't mean it's authentic but there's a restaurant that serves in quotation chinese food yeah and any pretty much anywhere you can go anywhere um it's i mean chinese food nowadays it's kind of being uh, introduced in a different way because there are other Chinese restaurants that have branched out to, to other countries. For example, Heidi Lao has, uh, you know, they have, mm. it's a, mm. it's a Chinese uh, hot pot restaurant, chain restaurant. It has, I don't know how many restaurants mm. they have. They're mm. opening, they're probably opening up uh, locations as fast as KFC opening up locations in China. And they have a couple locations in the United States. You know, States. I love hot pot. I do. And I've been to hot pot like a thousand times now. But <laughs> when I was, in america the first time i went to hot pot i was actually perplexed i was really confused about what was happening yeah so i went into this room and one of my chinese friends invited me and like these are all her chinese friends we're all hanging out and there's like some boiling water and then they're like i was like well what do we eat and they were like yeah we're just gonna put this stuff in this boiling hot this boiling pot and then we'll just eat it and, and like, I was I'm like, cooking my food in the restaurant. Do I get to order my own dish? Like, <laughs> it was like, no, 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 no. We're just all just going to eat this food inside this big yeah. boiling pot of water. And I was like, but what if I don't like the things you're going to put in? <laughs> I was so confused about this process. I know. Because <laughs> like, it's always the easiest, um, the easiest part of whatever uh, that exists in one country that gets introduced to another culture because it's just faster. It's less to to know, understand, to make sense of. Um, hot pot, the same and same with like McDonald's. People are like, oh, like hot pot's Chinese food. And what else do you eat? <laughs> like a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of. Oh, my gosh. You can't even imagine how much variety there is. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm not complaining about hot pot. My point is that I had to come to China and do hot pot a couple times as an American as someone who di- wasn't used to it. It did take some like getting into the shallow end of the pool kind of you know, to learn to swim before I understood what it was and like how to do it. And it was like <laughs> very kind of like a, a learning curve. There's a learning curve coming from not being exposed to that. You know, I think what I'm trying to do with this whole, I know it may seem nebulous when I, we started out with the idea of, is there a global culture, cocoa colonization? Yeah. You know, yeah. we talked about music and we're talking about food spreading around the world. Uh, this is something I want to say. Okay. So if you go to any, any city <laughs> in the world, you're going to find an Irish bar. <laughs> And if you go to any city in the world, you're going to find a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And if you go to any city in the world, you're going to find McDonald's. And if you go into yeah. any city in the world, there's Coca-Cola and there's Starbucks. And if you go to any city in the world, you know, you might, they're going to know who Michael Jackson is. I think my point is, like, what is the global culture to some extent? Like, is there a global culture? Is what kind of ways is the world becoming smaller? And in what ways do we should we guard against that mm. and protect our traditional like culture? Like, I, I don't know if I have an answer. I just think it's an interesting question. It's definitely something that we should think about more and more often with the, the, the speed and frequency of communication and information exchange. You know, it's, what's how it's becoming similar how it's becoming people doing the same things like i said when we're consuming the same content um that part is something um what i just said right before this was like it's always uh, what gets introduced to other countries is always the easiest part of the whole picture mm, you know mm. the simplest part of the whole picture when Amer- when mcdonald's went to other countries 
as sort of a representing mm. of American fast food culture. When it arrives in different countries, it kind of just became American food culture. So like a mm, lot of people mm, think mm, that's what American food is. Same with Chinese food going overseas. Like, oh, like you fry this and you put it in sauce, heavy sauce, and, and you put noodles on rice, and which does not make sense to Chinese people. Um, <laughs> Wait, noodles and rice? What? Oh my God. You know, there's always noodles and rice are always served together in Chinese like restaurants in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are like, oh, that's Chinese. That's Chinese food. I'm like, oh. well, that's just the easiest part, to, easiest part mm-hmm. for other people mm-hmm. to understand. So I guess in that sense, it's becoming similar. Like we're trying to understand the easy part of another culture. But what we need to be aware of is that if you do have the chance, you need to make sure people know that that's not what the yeah. whole picture yeah. is behind this little Ireland thing. is not a bar <laughs> not everybody <laughs> from Ireland just drinks and does nothing <laughs> and, and, yeah and like you like I think a lot of people know this brand Panda Express oh my like, god some of those dishes actually are served in some Chinese restaurants yeah but that is like less than one percent of the kind of food that is available here like there is such more variety of like better food really in actually coming to actually actually coming to China just like McDonald's okay like some Sometimes I like to joke yeah. that America doesn't really have any real of its own food. That's not true. I just I'm exaggerating. It's hyperbole. Like there is plenty of like actual like yeah. Creole food and like all this food. That, yeah. that Cajun food. Well, and that's not actually I'm not sure. <laughs> but like there's all this like, tr- you know, American food that is actually really good. Like and McDonald's does not represent like the cuisine in America. <laughs> in fact, it doesn't even represent the best of yeah. like the the fast food cuisine or even the best of the fast food hamburger. We were talking about in and out burger. We're getting closer, you know, (laughs) but you you can get some really great hamburgers at some like diners and things and mom pop stores that are like way better than McDonald's. It's McDonald's is like the most processed, just like Panda Express is like the most easy consumer, like the cheapest, highest profit margin they could possibly get with the lowest wages for their workers so that some corporate CEO can make an enormous amount amount of money selling this stuff which is it's you know i would eat there i'm not complaining that like i would still go there and still eat there like if i had the (laughs) opportunity but you know there's it doesn't represent what china is like at all and you're not going to find a restaurant like that in china exactly and i think like when we come when when we try to talk about defending traditional culture it's more like you know people who are exporting culture is not going to be thinking about what they're taking away from the local market and i even doubt today like with everything how China has been, you know, developing and how Chinese uh, uh, people have been growing their awareness of their own culture and, uh, you know, uh, foreign culture coming into China. I I don't even know if there is so much defending to do to push Mm, that mm. back. But if there are, you know, conversations that start with, oh, yes, oh, Chinese food, blah, blah, blah. But it's based on what they saw overseas. Then that's when Mm. we need to just be like, well, you know, that is a fraction of what we did and mm, it's mm, it's mm, it's mm, transformed mm. as well it's not like the the real thing but the good thing is like in china and i think in overseas as well at least like in new york and boston we see a lot more authentic chinese food restaurants and mm, mm, you know mm. people start to discover chinese artists and they like to listen to them and there's so many people that are actually embracing traditional traditional chinese medicine stuff so there's a lot of aspects of the culture that are being um, mm. communicated to other parts of the world mm. that I'm mm. really, really happy to yeah, see. Yeah, I, I would say, like, you're right. 
some metropoles where there are like a higher percentage of people from China or from whatever country. We're talking about where maybe there are more Italians in a particular city, right? Or maybe there are more French people living in a particular city in China or the United States. And so they can more accurately represent what is French culture, what is Italian culture, just like what you're talking about with... And maybe there are, you know, like in Shanghai and Beijing, there are a lot of Americans. So like if you want to learn, you can find some good burgers. You can find, yeah, there are burger competitions. <laughs> the the Beijinger is constantly hammering on about burgers too. too I kind of find it annoying a little bit, <laughs> but I can I can get it. I get it. There are a lot of people who want a taste of what's back home. And there are a lot of Chinese people who are interested in learning about like what is a good burger. And yeah, Beijing, there are some really great restaurants. See, for me personally, and this is, we're a little off topic, it's just from my own view. Mm-hmm. Like I came to China to not eat bur- burgers. Not have right, burgers. Yeah. And so like when I hear all these expats like, oh my gosh, they're having a burger competition. My first gut reaction is like, how, why are you still eating burgers? We live in China, but I get it. I get it. I go to KFC. I go to like, I go to like Bur- McDonald's. I go to like, yeah, I do that. Too. Yeah. You miss your home food from time to time. Sometimes I, I, you get, sometimes I get a little judgy because I'm trying to open-minded. be more, I'm yeah. trying to understand China more, but at the same time, I sneak myself a pizza every now and then. <laughs> I know. Same here. Sometimes pizza, sometimes Mexican food or Indian food. Cause we have these, all these varieties. So yeah, we'll cut them some slack and let them have their burgers it's always a great pleasure speaking with you alex i hope our fans got as much out of this as i did (laughs) that speaks for the both of us all right next time bye-bye